started, we've started a sermon series called Creature of Habit. And so we're speaking a little bit about, about st- trying to start some new habits as we begin. Now th- this morning specifically, I'm going I'm to be talking about the Word of God, having a, a, a life in God's Word, building a foundation on God's Word. Now one of my good friends, she, she started reading through the Bible here recently in October and she was sharing with me just how, how much that's benefited her. And so I asked her to share a little bit with us this morning. Uh, Samantha, she's been coming to church here for a little while now. And she made a video for us. So I'm going to ask her to help me preach this sermon this morning. So we got a quick video here for you just to start this sermon out. Here it goes. I started reading the Bible back in October because I realized that my entire belief system was based upon a book that I had never read. I'm 31 years old and I have believed in God since I was a little girl and I would even go as far to say that I would die for God yet I am not willing to read the book about him. So if I love somebody so much so dearly why wouldn't I take the initiative to get to know them? Any relationship that we have just in order for that relationship to begin, you have to get to know each other. So, and it can't just be one person trying, obviously, because a relationship doesn't succeed unless both parties are trying. So, God knows everything about me. And I've got this book here that tells me everything about Him, but I have not read it. So I think it's just crazy as a Christian to say that I believe in God, I'm willing to die for God, yet I have not read his book. So on my way to work, I would, I'm not a reader, so I would listen to the Bible. So for 45 minutes a day, I would spend that with God just listening to the Bible. But I think God decided that wasn't good enough <laughs> because... He decided that I would drive an hour to work and an hour home. Now I have two hours with God a day. And I think he even saw that I was putting in the effort, so he wanted to give me even more time with him, and that's wonderful. So as I started out in the Old Testament, I realized really quick that... I was never going to live up to God's expectations. And one night I got to Leviticus and it was talking about how pork was unclean. And so I came home and I had tenderloin laid out the day before. Then Leviticus had told me that that pork was unclean. So I came in and I was like, Jeremy, we cannot eat these tenderloins tonight. We've got to throw these out. So I was like, you're going to have to call Clay and Andrea, see what the deal with this is. Why? There's no way I'm going to be able to abide by all of God's rules. What am I going to do? But then I realized that he loved me so much. He sent Jesus. The Bible has literally became my therapy. I go to work and I am so excited to get back to my car just to listen to the Bible on the way home. Have you ever watched a TV series, binged a TV series, and at the end of it you're like, oh, 
like you just feel like you've lost your best friend. Well, that's how I feel about getting to Revelation. But I'm also so excited because I know I'm going to get to know my father so well, and he's going to give me knowledge and wisdom incomparable to anything that this world has to offer. I started reading. Amen, amen. Can you give her a hand clap for that? Of course, you know, when she asked me about pork, I said, no, you're going to throw that out. You can't eat pork. Um, I'm kidding. I mean, thank God, though, honestly. I think that's amazing because a lot of times people will just overlook Scripture and say, well, I can't understand that, you know. But here's what I want you to understand is that you're not going to be able to understand a whole lot of Scripture. What you need to do is you need to get into it, and as you do, you're going to start wrestling with questions. And as you wrestle with questions and you pray about those things, God will give you people, and he will give you the Holy Spirit to teach you all things, and then you'll get an understanding. See, she came to a realization of what the Bible says about itself, that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It's a tutor, and she got exactly out of it what you were supposed to get. Wow, I can't do this. I can't do everything that is required of me to be perfectly holy and perfectly pure. But guess what? God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be perfectly holy, to be perfectly pure, to die in our place. And then, and then at the same time, he said, now look, boys, it's a new covenant. You can eat pork. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bacon, anything. I, I mean, can you, can you imagine the day that Peter saw that, 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 that curtain fall from heaven and the Lord said to him, Peter, don't call that which is... Uh, uh, clean, which I've cleansed common or unclean. And he said, now rise, Peter, kill and eat. The joy that was in his heart that he could finally eat a ham sandwich. I mean, uh, that was, that was uh, you know, that was a glorious day for Peter. But anyway, so we're going we're gonna to begin. Now, if, you, if you got in there in your notes, I got a lot of scripture that we're going to go through the day, today because I'm going to preach specifically about a foundation on God's word. And we're talking about building, building strong habits that are going to help us literally be transformed by the Spirit of God. See, the Scripture honestly gives us spiritual disciplines because without spiritual disciplines, in other words, without good habits, you're not going to live a changed life. You're not going to grow. Nothing is going to happen. You're going to stay right where you're at year after year in the same spiritual position unless you practice spiritual disciplines and begin to build good habits in your life. Now, John Maxwell, i got a quote in there. It says that most people, the problem is, is that most people have uphill hopes and they have downhill habits. In other words, when we think about beginning this year, we start to think, man, I'd love to see this happen this year. I'd love to grow spiritually this year and know God more than I've ever known him before in my life. We have those uphill hopes. We want to see God do miracles. We want to see God move in our lives. We want to see our families saved. We want to see these things happen. We got uphill hopes, so the problem is, is our habits are downhill. We don't spend a whole lot of time in prayer, a whole lot of time in the Word of God. And let me tell you something. Without that, we cannot be transformed or, ch or, or changed. And we must focus on growing spiritually because if we, will, if, if, if we will focus on growing spiritually this year, it'll be the best year of our lives, no doubt about it. No question. So listen, I'm going to talk about a foundation on God's Word. Prayer, we talked about prayer and fasting last week. And prayer is when we talk to God, but honestly... Reading the Bible is when God talks to you. 
Now, God talks to us in a variety of different ways, but the primary way that God has chosen to speak to us is through his word. And just like Samantha was saying, I mean, if you really believe that God wrote a book, right? If God, if all scriptures God breathed and God has said, this is my word that is eternal, that will never pass away, and we really believe that as Christians, wouldn't it be sound a little bit weird if we didn't actually read it? Like we believe this was the voice of God to us, that God spoke these words, that he gave these words so that we could have life, but yet somehow we still don't read it. That is a little bit strange. That, that's what she was wrestling with. Now here's what the scripture says in John 1, 1, right? It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, the word was with God, right? And the word was God. The word was God. Now in the beginning, there was the word. Before there was even a Bible, Jesus was the word of God. He was the eternal, ever-existent Word of God. That when, the, when God spoke in the beginning of creation, His Word was going forth, Jesus Christ was going forth, and the Spirit was going forth out of the breath of His mouth. When God spoke, the Word was going forth, and the Spirit was going forth along with that. Because if you notice, when you speak, right? When you speak, words come out, but if you put your hand in front of your mouth, breath comes out too. When God speaks the Word, the Son and the Spirit come out of his mouth and it has power and it creates and it works. Now, here this word, the, the word right here for the word word, right, is the word logos. Now, that's a big crazy word, but it literally means the divine logic of God. It's God's thought about God's self. It is God himself. And, and Greek philosophers, when they would use this word, their idea about God was this. They believed that, yes, there was a God, but he was out there somewhere in the universe. He was the Logos, and he was this unmovable mover. In other words, he was just out there. He didn't really care about us. Only thing he did was he just sort of moved things, but yet he was disconnected from us, and we could never move him. Now, what John is saying, writing this in Greek, is he's saying, yeah, you're, you got it right. There is a God that's, that's out there in the cosmos, in the universe. He said, but this, this word, this Logos, is not out there away from us. He said, this Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, Jesus was the word in the flesh, in other words, what he is saying is, is that he has given us the written word so that this same word can get into us and this word can become flesh in us. He's saying Jesus is the picture of what it looks like when this right here comes alive in a human being. That's amazing to me. He looks at Jesus, he says, he's the eternal word of God. You want to look what, you want to see what it looks like when the word of God comes perfectly into a human being? Look at Jesus Christ because he is the living word of God. And God is saying, look, the same way that Jesus was the word of God, you can live a life in God's word and get it in you and you will become like Jesus. The word of God will come out of your life. You will become just like Jesus. You'll become word of God in flesh, so to speak. Not perfectly like him, but still we become partakers of the divine nature through the word of God. Now, the Bible obviously can be difficult to understand, but Jesus is what the word of God looks like. He gives us this, this ability. So, so even when you're struggling understanding the word of God, what we always go back to is Jesus because Jesus trumps even Bible. Bible is given to us to point us to Jesus, right? So he trumps everything. And so when we don't understand Scripture, we submit everything to the person of Jesus because he's bigger than it all, right? I love when people 
are just getting into the Word of God, just like Samantha. I love that. I love that she's reading through Leviticus, and she comes to the part where it says you, you, you're not supposed to eat pork. And think about that, though. The obedience that she had, she was about to throw out some fresh tenderloin. I mean, that, that is a heart for God. You know what I'm talking about? She was about to throw... Of course, J- Jeremy didn't care whether it was Word of God or not. He said, no, honey, we're going to eat that tenderloin tonight. I don't care if it was Word of God or not. We're going to eat tenderloin. <laughs> But, but he, he knew, you know, but that's a beautiful thing because I, I sit down with people a lot of times and I'll be teaching the Bible and I'll say, you know, turn to Ephesians 5.21 and they'll, they'll say to me, I got a question. What's that mean when you say that name there in the front and then you say the two numbers after it? What's that mean? I love that. I love when people, they have no idea. Let me tell you something. There are people in our community, in our world, they're, they're smart people. It's not that they're not intelligent. They just haven't been introduced to the Bible like you and I. And, and, and they need somebody to introduce them to the Scripture and not look down upon them because they've not been in the Bible yet. They need, to, they need an opportunity to be taught the Word of God. That's our responsibility as the church, to teach people the Word of God. And so when people are coming, I always know when people are in the Bible. You know why? Because they ask questions. Because the Bible is not always very easy to understand. It's difficult, it's challenging, and it's supposed to be. Right? But there are ways that we can begin getting in the Word of God and beginning to, to break it down. But Jesus made a lot of claims about the Word of God. Now, in John chapter 6, verse 60 through 63, notice this. Let's read these verses. John chapter 6, it says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, at this time, Jesus had about 10,000 people following him because he had just fed multitudes food. And they were like, Man, this guy, we follow this guy. He's going to give us pork tenderloin and stuff and sandwiches, and multiply fish everywhere that we go. I would follow him too, you know what I'm talking about? So he's got 10,000 people following him. Then all of a sudden he turns to them and he says, look, you're, you're seeking me because you want food that, par- that ultimately is just natural food. He says, I am the bread of life. He said, and if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. And they said, this is a hard saying, Lord. Who's going to understand that? I don't, we don't know what you're talking about. You want to start eating you? You want to be a cannibal? He's saying something far deeper than that. He's saying, I want you to ingest me into your life. I I am the word of God. I want you to ingest me. And I want you to consume me and my life and who I am. But it says in the next verse here, it says, when Jesus knew himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Word of God will offend you sometimes. Next verse, right? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. I always thought this was interesting that many of his disciples left him, and it's John 6, 6, 6. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, next verse. says, then Jesus said to the 12, he got 12 disciples after thousands have just left him. Notice that. And he says to the 12, you guys want to go too? Notice, Jesus wasn't trying to hold on to anybody. He was asking them to follow them of his own free will. He said, do you want to go away too? Then, then Peter says, next verse, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life, right? And in John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, right there. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, now I want you to understand something about Peter because all of the disciples, when they were following Jesus, they struggled. Every time Jesus taught almost, every time he would teach something, they would come up to him later and you know what they'd say? Lord, won't you, won't you, won't you tell us a little bit more about that? We don't understand what you were saying. 
See, it's not that big of a deal that you don't understand. You need to understand that. That when you get in the Bible, you're not going to understand everything immediately. Otherwise, you would be God. And that'd be weird because you're not him. And so he says, but look, Peter then goes to him and he says, look, Lord, we may not understand everything that you say either, but here's what we know, that when you speak, there's eternal life in it. That when you speak, something happens in our hearts and our hearts burn within us. Where, where else can we go? Now, I, want, because I understood this because I remember when I first started reading the Bible, maybe you've, you've experienced this too. When I first started reading the Bible, there were things in there I had no clue what it was saying, but on the inside of me, something was going, man, that's stinking awesome. You know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? You ever start reading the Bible and you're just like, I don't even know what that's saying, but I love it. Because I want to tell you something. Sometimes your spirit man is going to get it before your mind ever does. Right here in your heart, something is happening in your spirit. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And not only that, what he's saying is this is just not any ordinary book, friends. This is not just any ordinary word that's coming to you. This word spirit is the word pneuma. It means breath, right? It means breath. And so it, it, when God's word comes to us, it doesn't just come as a regular word. It doesn't just come as a word that I would speak to you. It comes with creative power on it. In Psalms 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. See, just like I said before, when God spoke, the word went forth, and the breath came with it, the spirit came with it, and it had creative power in it. When God speaks to us in his word, not only does it come to us, but it comes with power behind it and it creates something new in us. The scripture says, look, that we cannot even be saved apart from the word of God. If the word of God is not preached and declared and proclaimed, people cannot even experience the new birth. We are born again, the scripture says, not of incorruptible seed, but of, uh, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, right? Hebrews 4.12 says this. Look at this. This is a good verse. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, the Bible is not just a mere historical book. When you read it, you're, just, you're not just only reading history. You're actually reading, you're, you're, you're reading the very life of God. And when he comes to that book, he's not just trying to teach you a history lesson. I think it's so funny, you know. I went to seminary. I still go. But sometimes they teach you some really weird stuff. Like when I first went, they taught this class called Historical Criticism. And the whole class was about how all these really smart dudes get in there and they try to disprove the Bible. They try to criticize the Bible and try to find error in it. And, and that's, all, that's all fine and dandy, but in the end, if you're led by the Spirit, I promise you, you're not going to find error in this book. Whatever this book says, whatever is different about it than you see what meets your natural eye and your natural understanding, I promise you, it's not the fault of the book, it's the fault of your mind. And for you to believe that somehow you're smarter than that Scripture is the ultimate pride and arrogance. Let me tell you something, Satan's pride made him fall, but yet he still believes the Word of God. Woo! That gets me a little bit excited. He knows about it. He knows about the Word of God. So listen, you're not just getting information, but this Word is a sharp, two-edged sword. When you come to the Word of God, you want to treat it that way. It's going to pierce 
When it says it's going to pierce the dividing asunder of the spirit, the soul, and the joints and the marrow, it's going to discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It, it, what it's trying to say is it's going to get up in your business. It's going to get into your attitudes. It's going to get into the way you feel. It's going to get into the way you act. And it's going to begin to separate your spirit from your soul even from your body down to the joints and the marrow. Because when you get in the Word of God, it is going to put to death the deeds of your body. It's going to renew and refresh your soul. And it's going to feed and strengthen your spirit. Those three things. But when you come to the Word of God, let me just tell you this. Come with humility and allow it to penetrate you. When I get into the Bible, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm looking for it to challenge me. I'm looking for it to expose something in me that is not of God. Why? Because I want it cut away from me. See, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it's like a laser beam. It's like a lightsaber. You know what I'm talking about? And it cuts stuff away from you so that you can draw closer and nearer to the Lord. So, so let me move forward. I want to give you some, some sort of some theology on how the Bible comes alive in the first three here. And then, and then we'll give you some practical steps as well. But here's the first point. The first point is that faith activates the Word of God. Faith activates the Word of God. Faith is this supernatural enablement to believe that what the Word of God says is a superior reality to anything I'm seeing in my life right now. See, because, we, for example, we can see sickness, we can see disease, but when we come to the Word, it says that by His stripes we were healed, right? Right? Now, faith is that ability to say that even though right now I see sickness, the Word of God is a superior reality, and it says that I am healed. And I release my faith and say, you know what? The Word of God is stronger than what I see in my life right now. The Word of God is the truth, and everything else in my life is a lie. And I have to release faith in that for that to happen. In Hebrews 4, 2, it says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So he, he's talking about Israel. He's saying the children of Israel, if you read in the Old Testament, and here's what's awesome about the Old Testament, is the Old Testament is our story. It's our story of redemption. The same way we, they came out of Egypt is the same way that we come out of the bondage of sin in this world. And how did they come out? By the blood of the Lamb applied to a doorpost. We come out of sin and bondage and addiction. What? By the blood of the Lamb applied to our lives. And we cross the Red Sea in baptism. And we go through this wilderness season where we're seeking out the promises of God being fulfilled in our lives. lives, lives. Now, now, but, but honestly, in their soul, they're in a wilderness. And God is saying, I don't want you to stay forever in that wilderness. I want you to go to the promised land. I want you to go to the place where all of these promises are being fulfilled in your life. And he says, the problem though, the reason they're not being fulfilled in their life is that they, just like they did, we hear the same word. We hear the same gospel preached, but it was not mixed with faith. We can come in every Sunday and hear a message preached and hear the Word of God go forth. It can be positive. It can be encouraging. It can be strengthened. But we just take it. We don't receive it. We don't exercise faith. And we say, no, that ain't going to happen in my life. And we just forget it. Put it out of our minds, out of our hearts, and we move on. And God says they could not enter into the promised land or we cannot enter into the promises of God. Why? Because of our unbelief. When we believe God's Word, and we hold it as if it's God's word, it begins to happen, and we release that faith. Well, somebody said, well, that's my problem. I don't have any faith. 
That's my problem. I just can't believe it. I can't believe the Word of God. My second thing is, is that revelation activates faith. Revelation activates faith. Now, revelation is, is really when, when all of a sudden the Word of God just comes alive on the inside of you. You ever had that? You ever just been reading the Bible and all of it's just kind of bland and all of a sudden maybe you get a hold of one verse or one statement and it just comes alive, comes off the page. Anybody ever get that? This is revelation. We got two people got revelation before in here. This is awesome. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You would not be in this building right now if you had not received some sort of revelation. I'm going I'm to I'm argue that. At some level, God has revealed himself to you or otherwise you wouldn't even have a desire whatsoever for God in the first place. At some point, God has revealed something to you that, where you've seen something that you could not see otherwise. Now, revelation is this big fancy word. It's the word we get apocalypse from. What it means is, is it means to take off the veil, to be able to see something that you've never seen before. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, look at what it says. It says, Their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. But because the veil is taken away in Christ. He's saying when people read the Old Testament, they still got this veil over their eyes. They don't, they're not seeing clearly what it's trying to show them. Next verse says, But even to this day when Moses is read, Moses is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He said, a veil still lies on their heart. They're not able to see it. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Do I have another verse up there? No, not that one. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's saying, look, there's a veil that lies on people's hearts. They don't have revelation. The reason they don't believe is because their eyes haven't been opened. What I'm saying is, is that when we come to the Bible, not as just another book, but when we come to it saying, Lord Jesus, speak to me, change me, transform me. I need to hear from you. I'm desperate. When you come with that kind of a heart and attitude, all of a sudden in Christ, the veil lifts. And you begin to see things in God's Word that you've never seen before. And revelation, when you see something that you've never seen before, it activates this faith in your heart to begin to believe what you're, what you're now seeing. And when that faith's activated, you can tell them people because people get excited. They want to tell people about what they're experiencing. Now, here's an awesome place in the Bible where, where this happened. Go to that, that verse in Luke. Now, this is when the, the angel comes to Mary, and Mary says, you know, she, she's, he, he's saying to her, you're going to conceive and give birth to a child, and he's going to be called Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. Of course, she had never been with a man, so she's wrestling with it. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't, I don't even, I've not known a man? I've not been with anybody. It's, in, it's impossible. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And the next verse says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, is also conceived, a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And right here in this verse, the next verse says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Now another translation says it like this, No word from God will ever fail. Because that word nothing right there, there are two words for the word word in, in the New Testament. One of those words is the one we read earlier. It was the logos of God. That is the written word of God. That is the word of God that in its fullness, this is the word of God. Right? It's the written word of God. But there's another word for the word of God, and it's called rhema. And it means a freshly spoken word of God. Let me put it to you like this. I can be preaching this message right now. And all of it comes out 
like Logos, right? And everybody's hearing it. And that means that there'll be, there will be some people that leave here today that get nothing out of this message. It's sad, but it's going to happen. Jesus says when we scatter the word, it falls some, on, some on, 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 by the wayside. They don't receive it. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Some it's, it's sown on stony places and it, and it just doesn't, it's not able to take root and they, they go out and difficult times happen. They lose the word of God, right? So some, some people are not going to receive it, but, but rhema is when the word goes forth and somewhere during this message, something's going to come alive in your heart. There might even be just one verse or one statement that I make that just sticks with you. And that is the freshly spoken word of God to you in that moment. It's a word that comes in that moment to bring real transformation. And what the angel is saying to Mary is, there is no freshly spoken word of God that comes to you in that moment that, that will ever fail you. If you hear God speak it to you in your heart, if you're reading the Bible and it comes alive to you and it's awake in your heart and you grab a hold of it, God says that word will never fail you. Hold on to it because if you hold on to it, it's going to come to pass in your life. And here's what Mary said in response. She said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I believe that was the instant that she got pregnant. As soon as she came into agreement with what God's word said, as soon as she said, Let it be to me according to your word, immediately she was pregnant. Immediately that took place in her life. I think it's the same with us. When we take a hold of God's word and we say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let this take place in my life. Immediately he brings it to pass in our life. Now here's the third thing. You say, well, I don't have faith or revelation. Where do I begin? Meditation. The third thing is meditation activates re revelation. Let me put it to you like this. At some point, if you're going to be serious about building godly habits, you have got to take some time slow down your life, open up the Bible, and begin to read it. And as you're reading it, you want to ponder it. I make it, after I found out this, these truths in the Word of God about meditation, it talks about meditation all throughout Scripture. But when I found out truths about meditation, what I'll do a lot of times is I'll read chunks of Scripture, and sometimes I'll just take even one verse or maybe a couple of verses, and throughout my day, as I'm driving down the road or I'm just sitting there and i got no time going on, I will start to, to, to roll it over in my mind, and I'll, try, and I'll just think about it, and I'll begin to just ponder it and think about it, just different verses about what it's saying, about what God was trying to speak to me in it, and it unlocks revelation. Joshua 1.8 says this, it says, this book of the law, this, this Bible, this scripture, shall not depart from your mouth. So you see that it's in your mouth, right? You're speaking it first. He says, but you shall meditate in it day and night. So you're speaking it out of your mouth and it's in your mind. And you're meditating in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then when it's in your mouth and it's in your mind, then you start doing it. And then it says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How many people would like to be prosperous and have good success? Yeah, I got a little few more on that one. So, meditation, now this is really interesting because the word there in the Hebrew, it's connected to another word that is, it means to ruminate or ruminate. Y'all know, know what that is, a, a cow? Y'all ever seen a cow chew the cud? I was praying, walking. I like to walk outside and pray, and it wasn't that cold when I was doing it the other day. But I was walking down this, this weird street, and I went to this place, and, and there, was these, uh, there was these cows out there. And when I walked over to them, like three or four of them just came and walked right up to me, put their nose right in my face, and they would just bend over. 
And, and let me tell you something. They sat there for like 30 minutes just chewing, and then I watched one. It swallowed it. And you know what it did? Brought it right back up and went, just looked at me and went. And, I, and that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the word picture of meditation in the Hebrew language, though. It's that you take a word of God, you chew on it, you get nutrients out of it, you digest it, but then you don't stop there. You bring it back up and you chew on it some more. And you think about it some more. And you get more nutrition out of it. And then you digest it again. And then you bring it up once again. And as you do this, as you're meditating on God's Word, He's revealing things more and more to you that you've never seen before in God's Word. Amen? It's important that you learn to meditate. That you, the Word also can mean to mutter under your breath, to be speaking about it throughout the day. But now let, let me give you some practical things. Because that's how God's Word can come alive in your life if you use it. But let me give you some other things. Let me give you some practical steps. But, but look at this. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew seven twenty four. This is in the message translation. Let's read this together. It says, these words that I speak to you, Jesus is saying this. He says, they're not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. He says, if you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. The Word of God, you build your life on the Word of God. You work it into your life, and all of a sudden, you're on a solid foundation. But look what he says. I love what it says in this next one. But if you just use my words in Bible studies... If you just kind of hang out and, oh, I'm going to go Bible study a little bit, but I'm not working it into every area of my life. He said, I love what it says here. You are like a stupid carpenter. <laughs> I, got, I got two or three laughs. Who built his house on the sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves come up, came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Let me tell you something. When you, in this life, you are going to go through some storms. There's going to be a tornado hit every now and then. There's going to be extremely difficult times that come. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying, is that if you have your life built on the Word of God, when those tornadoes hit, you're going to stand. You're going to make it through. You're going to have the strength and the ability and the knowledge to get through. But if you don't, if you're not built on God's Word, by the time the storm hits, it's too late. You're broken down and you are washed away because you did not build your life on the foundation of God's Word. This is what Jesus is trying to say, right? So the first thing, if I'm going to build my life and, and build a foundation in God's Word, number four is I have to accept the authority of God's Word. This is diff difficult for some people, you know, because they, they believe in science and different things like that. And we, here, you know what I would say to a lot of people that are really, really, really smart? One, there's a lot of uh, good apologists that are just as brilliant, brilliant as you are that, could, that can knock down your arguments in a heartbeat. But here's what I would also say is, what, what does it hurt to try? I had a lot of questions about the Word of God. I questioned whether or not it was infallible and perfect and all of this stuff and inerrant whenever I first came to it. But when I just submitted myself, I said, you know what? I've been blowing it in life up to this point. I might as well give the Word of God a shot because what good is it going to do for me to sit here and back and question it all the time? Let's just submit to the fact that it says that it is God's Word, that it's God-breathed, that, it, that it's profitable for me, that if I meditate in it, I'm going to have good success, that if I build my life on it, when storms come, I'm going to be able to stand. Why don't I just take that at its word and try it out and see? And when I did, I found that it was the truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, 
You're my disciples indeed. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They'll come to a point where it doesn't matter what kind of scientific argument you have or kind of cultural argument you have, that it will break down all the lies. You will know the truth, and nobody can take you away from it. There's no argument that any scholar or any scientist could use against me now because I've heard them all. I've heard a lot of them. But they cannot ever use one that is going to back me away from the fact that I believe that this book is infallible. It is inerrant. It is the perfect Word of God. Now, we do have to learn how to interpret it properly because there's some things that are strange in it. And the book is made to point me to Jesus, but I have to come to the place where I accept it as God's Word. Now, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, I know i got a lot of verses today, but you know what? That's good because we're talking about God's Word, right? 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it. That word there literally means that you took in a stranger. That you, did, you weren't sure what this thing was going to do when you took it in, but you welcomed it in as a stranger and you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now, somebody would say, somebody would say, well, you know, but it was written by so many different men over such a, such a long period of time. That just makes it more amazing to me because every, it, it clicks, it makes, it works. Jesus is quoting Old Testament, Paul's quoting Old Testament, and everything fits together perfectly. And it's because God breathed on all of those men and they were inspired by the Spirit of God to write and it was God using them in their culture, in their context, through their fallen vessels to write His Word to humanity. And He says, when you received it, you didn't receive it as the Word of man. You received it as it is in truth, as the Word of God. And when they received it, He says, it also effectively works in you who believe. Somebody said to me one time, you know, I've tried the Bible, I've tried all that stuff, it just didn't work. The reason it's not working is because you've not yet accepted it. You've not yet welcomed it into your life as the Word of God, as God's Word to you. And if you will accept it and welcome it into your life, I, 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 so many people, I, just, I, I give them the challenge. People that are atheists, that are unbelievers, I just give them the challenge. I just say, and most of them won't do it, but the ones who do, they always change every time. I say, read the New Testament and do it with an open and a sincere heart and ask God to speak to you. Say, God, if you're real, speak to me and read the New Testament and just see what happens. And whenever you do it, sometimes even we'll get done, they'll be like, I don't know about that, man. And I'm not kidding you. A year later, they'll be like, I got saved, dude. (laughs) Because the Word of God works effectively in those who believe. It works. If you just try it out, if you just test it out, You give it a shot. Give it an opportunity. Accept the Word of God. Here at this church, you know, we're we're Spirit-filled believers. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But we believe that you're only as spiritual as you are scriptural. That's what Donald always says here. You're only as spiritual as you are scriptural. If you can't back it up with God's Word, it ain't no good. It ain't no... Your prophecy, your dreams, you can't back it up with God's Word, we're tossing them. They do not have authority over God's Word. When we get up here and preach, if we say something that's not in God's Word, throw that out. It's not God's Word. Then everything we say comes up under the authority of His Word, what He says. That's what's true. Let every man be a liar, right? So the, the, the fifth thing is I have to assimilate the truths of God's Word. I got to Look, the Word of God works in my marriage. It works in my finances. Right? 
Shannon and Alex, they taught a class not long ago, and it was a biblically based uh, way to, 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 to work in, in your finances and stuff. But, but if you will use the word, it will work in your relationships, it'll work in your marriage, it'll work in your finance. It will work in every area of your life if you will let it. But you have to assimilate the truths of God's word. Now, the first thing that I have to do if I'm going to do that is I've got to listen to it. I have got to strategically plan how much of the Word of God I'm going to get into my life. Now, let me take just a minute here. If you're new, you've never been to church before, just kind of take this with a grain of salt. But let me tell you something. It is shocking to me how many people don't prioritize going to hear the Word of God in church. It's just shocking to me. And I'm not saying that for my own agenda. I'm just saying that, that when I became, look, I have not been a pastor all my life. I've not pre preached all my life. But when I became a Christian, I did not miss going to hear the Word of God preached. I wanted to go. And look, sometimes there were even preachers that I, look, because people say this all the time. They say, well, I don't really like listening to you, Clay. You ain't really that good. And, uh, and I, I ain't going to come when you're preaching. People used to do that at the church that I went to. People, people would say, well, I don't really like that person. Let me tell you something. You need to humble yourself. And you need, to, you need to say, the word of God is going forth by whichever man God has chosen to put before me, and I'm going to go and receive the word of God, whether I'm smarter than that man or dumber than that man or whatever I may be, God's word is going forth among God's people, and I'm going to make it a custom in my life to go and receive the word of God. Amen. Yeah, that's a good one there. You know that G, we, we, we saw in our world today, I'm going on a little bit of a rant, and then I'll recorrect. But in our world today, in an effort to be, we're, we're so afraid of being religious, so afraid of being religious that we have no structure, structure or order to our lives whatsoever. Let me tell you something. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you this morning. Jesus was a very religious man. People are going to be like, oh, no, you can't say that. Let me tell you, the scripture says that it was Jesus' custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. It was his custom he wasn't going to say up. He, he wasn't going to say, "Mom, Dad, you know I ain't going to go to the synagogue today. I ain't trying to be religious." No, he said, "This was my custom. This is what he did every Sunday. He was there to hear and to teach and to read the Scripture and to hear the Word of God." And Jesus could have easily said, "Well, you know what? I ain't going to hear them rabbis. I know more than they do, because he was God." He did know more than they did. Matter of fact, when he was 12, he went to the synagogue and debated with some of them guys, but he did it in humility, obviously, because they were astonished and said, man, this young man knows some stuff. But yet every Sunday throughout his life, he went to the synagogue and he heard a rabbi teach him the Bible. That's why when he faced Satan, guess what? He knew the scripture and he could quote it because he went to church and he heard the word of God. He listened to the word of God. Man, that's good preaching, ain't it, Brian? So I got to listen to it. Now, one way you listen to it is here. Another way you listen to it, like, hey, like Samantha did. Let, you don't like reading? Let that dude on your phone on the Bible app read to you. He'll read it to you. I mean, there, there are so many resources today in our world. There is no excuse for anybody not getting in the Word of God. There's a limitless amount of resources. I, we watched videos the other day about, I mean, it's like now they will teach you the entire Bible on video. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So you got everything that you need. There are podcasts galore. I listen to other preachers preach. I love to listen to preaching. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'll be exercising. I'll be listening to somebody preach at me, just hollering. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I like it. But I have to assimilate it. Now, Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got to hear it. 
And I like what it says. It does not say faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It means that you have to continually, it, it means that, literally, that you have to continually hear and be actively hearing the Word of God because that's how faith is generated. And the reason you're having a hard time believing God for certain things is because you only did hear the Word of God. Faith does not come from having heard the Word of God. It comes from actively hearing the Word of God. And so you have to hear it on a regular basis. Luke 8, 18, Jesus said, Take heed to how you hear the Word of God, right? Pay attention because you need to make sure that as you're hearing the Word of God that you're letting it get into you. The second thing is I've got to read the Word of God. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means that I have to choose to, to receive this thing like a meal. I love, I've quoted this man several times. I love what he says of Smith Wigglesworth. He said, how can a man expect to be spiritually strong when he feeds his body three hot meals a week and he feeds his spirit man one cold snack? He feeds his body three hot meals a day. He feeds his spirit man one cold snack a week. How can he expect to be spiritually strong? You can't. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. You're not going to and this is good for us fasting, prayer, prayer and fasting. He's saying, you want to live, right now you're living in a physical carnal world and you're feeding your, your soul and your body. He's saying, I need you to set aside and realize you don't just live by the bread that you eat, you live by the word of God that your spirit ingests. And you have to read it on a regular basis. Now, here's, what I, here's the other thing I'm going to say. You know, on your phone, you get the Bible app, right? How many people have the Bible app on their phone? Help me out. Yeah, I got a handful of people got a Bible app. You get on there, there, there are plans galore. You get, a, you get a plan for anything you want. I saw where there were like 15 different fasting plans on the Bible app. Well, they'll walk you through that. There's a, there's a Bible in one year app that's awesome. It's got a devotional. It gets a little bit of the Old Testament. It gets a little bit of the New Testament, Right? It gets a little bit of all this stuff going on in it. And, and, and you can read through the Bible reading three to four chapters a day in one year. Now, Samantha, she started in October. She's already in Proverbs, am I right? That's, a, that's midway through the book. She's doing good. So it's possible. You can do this. It, 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 and you, you have to come to that place where you do it. Now, there, there's a, the, I read a study where actually, though, listen to this. Digital reading is a lot different than actually reading a physical book. That, that when you read it digitally, it, it, it cuts down your retention by like 40%. There's something about holding the literal book and knowing how much you have left on it and seeing it on the page that you actually retain it. I got a Bible. It's a King James. It's my favorite Bible, but it's King James Version. And everybody now used to it. It's the only thing you could use. Now everybody's like, well, I don't understand that. So I had to kind of put it aside. It was sad, you know, but I still look at it every now and then and try, cry a tear. Because in that Bible... I don't even know some verses, but I can open that Bible. I can I, somebody say, well, where's this at in the Bible? Well, hold on, because I, I know where it's at in that Bible. I've seen it there. You know what I'm talking about? So, so here's the other thing I'm going to say. If you don't have a Bible that is your Bible, that you can open up, you can do whatever you want to it. Donald loves marking in his Bibles. I hate marking in my Bibles. To each his own, but you need to have your own Bible that you do whatever you want to do with it. That you're in it, you're reading it, you're studying it, you're marking in it if you want to, you're putting notes in it, you're doing whatever you are, you're getting your own Bible and you're getting a plan because if you don't have a plan to read that Bible, it's going, it's going to get in your way, it's going to hinder you, right? 
I'm telling you, this, this habit right here probably above all will change your life more than anything. Because if you will pick up this habit of reading the Bible on a daily basis, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. And he wasn't just talking about physical nourishment. He said, give us, if you will pick up this habit, it will lead you into all the other spiritual habits that are healthy and strong, right? So, here's my last thing. You guys can come to the music. The last thing, number six, is that I have to apply the principles of God's Word. Now, one of the best ways to explore God's Word is with others. You know, you, you want to come to church, but this is another thing.